Greetings, and welcome back to the Highest Court Report podcast. As always, I'm your host, Connor, and thank you for joining me. Now, as we are aware, or at least I assume we are, the term cancel culture has been permeating the airwaves for quite some time now. The former president utilized it quite often, and many of his acolytes in his party still do. I didn't think, however, that some members of the highest court in the land would fall prey to the fear of holding to account those who violate laws, or at least societal norms and ethics. But as we are wont to discover, this is undoubtedly the case. Anyways, let's get to it. This is episode 10, The Political Rights Kryptonite. Now, I saw an article the other day and found, I think, pretty much the desired quote I was looking for from a former Supreme Court justice that really flies in the face of the frequent and somewhat apparent terror that many on the political right have encountered of late. The case was Doe v. Reed, and the man quoted, may not be who you think he was considering the content of his speech. Here's a quote from his opinion. Quote, Requiring people to stand up in public for their political acts fosters civic courage, without which democracy is doomed. For my part, I do not look forward to a society which, thanks to the Supreme Court, campaigns anonymously, and even exercises the direct democracy of initiative and referendum hidden from public scrutiny and protected from the accountability of criticism. This does not resemble the home of the brave. End quote. Now, can you guess who that was? Yeah, that's okay. I couldn't either. Those were the words of the late Justice Antonin Scalia in a 2010 opinion concerning whether the public should be allowed to learn who signed a petition seeking to call a referendum on a state law. These words form a rather stark distinction with the attitude of conservative justices of late, only a bit more than a decade after Doe, when the court heard another case asking whether disclosure laws could be applied to political actors writ large. The conservative justices who heard this new case, entitled Americans for Prosperity Foundation v. Bonta 2021, showed little of the confidence and civic courage that Scalia had celebrated. Many of them were brimming with that paranoia uh, of angry mobs that are waiting to cancel conservative speakers left and right. No pun intended. So at two separate points in the oral arguments, Justice Neil Gorsuch warned of a world where the government could demand to see your Christmas card list or a list of all the people you've dated in the past. Justice Clarence Thomas repeatedly suggested that the court must provide constitutional protection to any advocacy organization that is accused of being racist or homophobic. Now, Justice Samuel Alito warned of, quote, vandalism, death threats, physical violence, economic reprisals, harassment in the workplace, end quote, which would be directed at donors to an anti-LGBTQ plus campaign. The case Americans for Prosperity is a difficult case to navigate, to be sure, and it evokes delicate issues 
vis-a-vis when donors to advocacy organizations should be allowed to keep their identity secret in order to protect them from reprisals. As the court first recognized in the Jim Crow era, when Alabama tried to uncover the NAACP's membership list in order to assist in halting civil rights legislation and rights for black people writ large. And there are rare cases where donors or other individuals associated with advocacy groups must be protected from state disclosure rules. And in the case of NAACP, this is to be sure. But the court's conservative majority now appears to believe that reprisals against political conservatives are now so common that it may require handing down a sweeping and potentially unprecedented cure to protect their fellow conservatives from the horrors of cancel culture. Now, you may ask yourself, what is this case really about? What are the substantive issues at hand, the justiciability of it all? Well, you are not alone, and I had a proverbial Homeric journey through this case. And just like Odysseus, I didn't really come out feeling too great about it through my travails. The specific regulation at issue in Americans for Prosperity is somewhat juvenile, or at least a bit performative. California state law requires that all nonprofit organizations that raise tax-deductible funds within the state to disclose their largest donors to the state attorney general's office. This office, which claims that it needs this information to investigate fraud in the nonprofit sector, is required to keep all this information confidential from the public. But the attorney general's office hasn't always followed ideal security procedures or protocols and some of this confidential information has leaked to the public in the past. The plaintiffs in this case are two conservative advocacy organizations, the Americans for Prosperity Foundation and the Thomas More Law Center, who claim that this donor disclosure requirement is unconstitutional. The court's precedents are quite clear about how this case should proceed. Most people, or rather most listeners of this podcast at least, should know of the court's decision in Citizens United v. FEC 2010 because of its holding that corporations could spend unlimited money to influence elections. But Citizens United also took a rather permissive attitude to the laws requiring the disclosure of political donors. Now, courts differentiate between what are known as facial challenges to a law and the milder as-applied challenges to a law. If a law is declared unconstitutional on its face, that means it must cease to operate entirely and at once, or rather, at once insofar as legal timeframes are concerned. But if a particular plaintiff prevails in an as-applied challenge, the government may still be able to enforce the challenge law against other parties. Citizens United applied the court's pre-existing position that when someone challenges a disclosure law, an as-applied challenge is the preferred medium. As the court explained, an organization that, quote, could show a reasonable probability that disclosure of its contributors' names will subject them to threats, harassment, or reprisals from either government officials or private parties, end quote, may bring an as-applied case against a disclosure law. So, based upon this framework, 
the Americans for Prosperity plaintiffs have a strong case. At one point during the oral argument, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, arguably the court's most liberal member at this time, told California's lawyer that, quote, a reasonable person may not have much faith in the AG's office after previous breaches, end quote, of its confidential information. And liberal Justice Elena Kagan also pointed to the trial court's findings that there is a, quote, pervasive reoccurring, unquote, problem of public disclosure in the state AG's office, and that donors to the plaintiffs, quote, would likely be subject to threats and harassment, end quote, if their names were disclosed. So this could have been an easy case. Apply the same approach the court applied in Citizens United, accept Sotomayor and Kagan's understanding of the case's facts, and grant relief to the two plaintiffs on an as-applied basis. The opinion could potentially even be unanimous, right? So, you may be asking, how did the conservatives view this case? But the plaintiffs insist that they are entitled to facial relief. In other words, the state's disclosure rule must be tossed for all nonprofits, regardless of whether donors to those nonprofits face harassment or even if they want to keep their donations secret. Now, some of the court's Republican appointees appeared to deliberate it would be extraordinarily burdensome to require challenges to California's disclosure law to be handled on an as-applied basis. Now I know, there's a lot of legal jargon here. I know. Hang in there. During the oral arguments of this case, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts asked the sol acting Solicitor General, Elizabeth Preloger, quote, how do you think an as-applied challenge would work, end quote? Should a charity, quote, attach an affidavit or something saying we're a very controversial charity and we think if people knew who gave us money, their rights to association would be chilled, end quote? Justice Alito warned of a world where every single nonprofit that fears for its donors would have to take, quote, California to court and fight the state tooth and nail for more than six years in order to avoid potential public disclosure of its list of donors, end quote. Now, realistically, these fears are somewhat exaggerated. Federal law permits courts to require a state that violates an organization's constitutional rights to pay that organization's legal fees. So if California is too reluctant to grant exemptions to organizations that seek them, it will be hauled repeatedly into a judiciary dominated by conservatives and will rapidly learn that it has made a very expensive mistake. Chief Justice Thomas, for his part, already wrote uh, an opinion in Citizens United. He was joined by no other justice, indicating that he would strike down disclosure laws on their face, even in the campaign finance context. And Justice Neil Gorsuch, appeared to join Thomas's camp in the aforementioned case. Quote, If the First Amendment protects the right to associate in private, why do we need to consider harassment? End quote. Gorsuch asked, suggesting that all donors who seek to influence politics through their wealth are entitled to remain private. And then there was Justice Alito, 
who joined the majority opinion in Citizens United and rejected the more radical approach laid out by Thomas in that case, interesting as that may seem. He suggested that, quote, in our current atmosphere, end quote, and pay attention to that term, it will come to us in a moment, political donors to organizations that take unpopular positions on hot-button issues have reason to fear reprisals. As I noted, the phrase, in our current atmosphere, is somewhat telling, because it raises the question of why he thinks the atmosphere was different in previous eras. The seminal case establishing why advocacy groups should sometimes be allowed to receive exemptions from political disclosure laws is NAACP v. Alabama X. Rel. Patterson, 1958. It involved an effort by the Jim Crow state of Alabama to force the NAACP to disclose its members to the state, most likely so those names could either be turned over to the Ku Klux Klan, who had deep ties to the political system in Alabama and many southern states at that time, and frankly today as well, or be placed on an employment blacklist. Now, though the court ruled in favor of the NAACP in this case, it only granted as applied relief to the organization. The court did not strike down the underlying state statute, which required most corporations doing business in Alabama to make certain disclosures. Now, does Justice Alito think that the atmosphere in the Jim Crow South was far more unfriendly to organizations that take unpopular positions than the atmosphere we live in today? If as-applied relief was sufficient to protect civil rights activists during the Jim Crow era, why does the Americans for Prosperity Foundation require more protection? Are they at a functionally greater risk than those were in the Jim Crow South? It would seem that the most likely explanation for the conservative movement's shifting position from the views Scalia expressed in Doe to the views expressed by most of the court in oral arguments is a problem of regressive empathy. People who express unpopular views, or those who enable organizations that do so, have faced harassment or worse for as long as there have been democratic politics. I mean, just ask Socrates, right? To be clear, donors to the Americans for Prosperity Foundation should no more face harassment than donors to the NAACP would. As Justices Sotomayor and Kagan noted, the Foundation has a strong argument on the facts. But it is true that the values espoused by People like Roberts, Thomas, Olito, and Gorsuch are increasingly out of favor with the American public. After all, the Republican Party has lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential elections. And the thing that distinguishes, quote, our current atmosphere, end quote, from, say, the atmosphere when Alito joined the Citizens United Opinion in 2010, is that Alito and people like him now correctively perceive that their views are on the outs. They are suddenly quite aware of every incident where a business is boycotted because 
its owner opposes LGBTQ plus rights or where a corporate executive is fired for expressing similar views. Don't forget, Alito and all those members of the Federalist Society. Every single one of them. Heck, Clarence Thomas officiated Rush Limbaugh's 20th wedding or, or third wedding, whatever it was. But to the point, they've yet to explain why these incidents require a more protective rule than the one announced in NAACP in 1958. Or, to the point, why the harassment faced by conservatives today is somehow worse than the threat that civil rights activists would have faced if their identities had been revealed to the Klan. I dare say it is not quite as bad. After all, the Klan happily murdered many civil rights activists and continue to do so to this day. I think it's important to do some research into cancel culture itself and try to ignore both the left and the right's bias here and look at the facts as best that you can. There are many questions today that can be asked. Um, from the right side, did Hunter Biden do what he is accused of in Ukraine or China, for instance? Did Matt Gates pay to have relations with a 17-year-old minor? Did President Trump do all those things that he allegedly did? Did Jim Jordan as a wrestling coach do what? Anyways, I digress. Look at the facts for yourself, is the point here, and come to your own conclusions. I consider all of this closer to something more akin to consequence culture, but that is just this lowly podcaster's opinion. Anyways, that's the show. Thank you very much for joining me yet again. I am sure there will be yet again another nebulous case or controversy I can dive into next week. Now, cases in Oregon are yet again on the rise. Stay safe out there, social distance, keep a mask on when you can. This is the Highest Court Report, signing off.